Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Before I begin today's episode, I wanted to ask for your help with something. If you listen on iTunes, you've probably seen their list of podcasts designated as COVID-19 essential listening. I've reached out to Apple to ask them to include Shelter in Place on that list, but I need your help. If you could take a moment to go to iTunes, rate Shelter in Place, and write a quick review of what you like about the show, I would be so grateful. This past Sunday, my husband Nate and I were chatting with some friends over Zoom. All of us have young children, and we were commiserating over the daily challenges of trying to homeschool our kids while also working, or in our family's case, trying to find new work so we can regain the income we've lost. Our friend Nick said that he's tired of feeling like every day is Groundhog Day. Nick was referring to the 1993 Bill Murray movie about a TV weatherman who finds himself reliving the same day over and over again, which slowly drives him crazy until he finds a way to shift the situation to his advantage. I know what Nick means. Every morning, no matter how late I went to bed the night before, I wake up with the first light of dawn, wide awake, even though we have blackout shades and no one else is up. After a few minutes of trying unsuccessfully to convince myself to fall back asleep, I creep out of bed, look in the fridge for leftover coffee from yesterday, and sneak out to our little 100-square-foot writing shed in the backyard. I spend the morning writing, recording, and editing the next day's episode. This is the one part of my day that is not exactly the same. Sometimes the ideas come freely. Other days, they're as stubborn and unyielding as our toddler, who can't be convinced that going to the bathroom before bed is necessary. But even on the hard days, those hours are usually the best part of my day. They're the one time of day when I have the illusion of control. Every afternoon, Nate and I trade places. I express sympathy to him, and more often than not, he tells me that he lost his temper at some point during the morning, despite all of his best efforts to be fun and creative and wonderful as he homeschools our children. Almost always, I have my own version of that to recount before the day is over. Every day, I tell myself that today... I will figure out how to make learning fun. I'll teach my son to focus for more than 10 seconds at a time. I won't lose patience when my daughter whines. I'll make sure we get outside. We'll cook together. We'll have fun. We'll use our imaginations. But every day, I get to the end of the day feeling disappointed with myself. Over the course of the past six weeks, I've set the bar very low. I'm happy if my older kids can just get through a few math problems every afternoon while the little one naps, but somehow even that singular goal ends up being a disaster more often than not. Either my son doesn't want to do the work, or my kids keep picking at each other and fighting, or the little one announces with great glee, I did it! And I come to the bathroom to find that what she did was dump the pee and poop from her tiny potty all over the floor. Every night I try to be sweet with my kids when I tell them good night. Sometimes I am. Usually, between Nate and me, one of us has reached the end of our rope by the 11th time our kids come out to use the bathroom or ask us some existential question about the universe, like, where does water come from? 
A few nights ago when Nate and I were staying up too late, just like we almost always do because it's the only time we have with each other, I was bemoaning not just the sameness of every day, but the way I keep making the same mistakes over and over again with the kids. Nate reminded me of BJ Fogg and his book, Tiny Habits. BJ is the world's leading expert on habit formation, and he runs the Behavior Design Lab at Stanford. He spent more than 20 years researching and teaching about human behavior, and his work focuses on helping us make changes in our life by cracking the code on how we form habits. He's trained Fortune 500 companies and has personally coached 40,000 people. When I reached out to BJ for permission to quote his work today, he shared with me some amazing resources that he and his Tiny Habits team put together to help all of us through this pandemic, including recorded videos and conversations on finding purpose, coping with change, and pretty much anything else you can think of that you might be needing during this time. I'll include a link to those in my show notes. BJ says that there have to be three things happening in the same moment to cause a behavior. There has to be some level of motivation, you have to have the ability to do it, and there has to be a trigger, a call to action. When these three things occur together, your behavior will change. BJ says, here's the simplest way to explain it. Behavior happens when motivation, ability, and a prompt come together at the same moment. The key to having a happier, healthier life, he says, is by starting small. Most of us think that change is hard, but BJ says change can be easy if you understand the simple steps of behavior design. It's not about willpower. Willpower is fickle and finite and exactly the wrong way to create habits. It's not about making a plan and sticking with it. You transform your life by starting small and being flexible. BJ's work has shown that if you attach a tiny new habit to something that you're already doing, That routine action triggers the new habit. It gives you the ability to accomplish something without much motivation and the trigger to actually do it. And then he says, every time you do that tiny habit, congratulate yourself. Figure out some little way to celebrate. Nate told me about BJ's work years ago when BJ consulted with the startup where Nate was working. At the time, BJ's work had inspired me to figure out new, small, manageable ways to incorporate exercise into my life in a season when it was hard to get out because I had a toddler and a newborn and no outside childcare. I was a gymnast as a kid and then a competitive distance runner for most of my teenage and adult years, and I'd always prided myself on being able to do pull-ups. At my peak, I could do 10. But after having kids, one with an emergency C-section, I couldn't even do one. We have one of those pull-up bars that you can put temporarily in a doorway, and the only doorway in our house where it fits is the bathroom door. So every day, whenever I needed to use the bathroom, I'd try to hoist myself up into a pull-up. At first, I couldn't even get halfway up. I celebrated the small effort anyway and told myself I was strong. By the end of the first week, I'd struggled up to a single pull-up, and even though that was a lot less than what I used to be able to do, I felt really proud of myself. By the end of that first month, I could do several pull-ups. That ritual stuck with me over the years, albeit on and off. A couple of months ago, I did 12 pull-ups. I was so excited that I texted my friend to tell her. It was more than I'd ever done before, even as a 14-year-old gymnast. And even though I am by no means at the top of my game when it comes to fitness, this one tiny habit 
has produced big results. Until this week, I had totally forgotten that it was BJ's work that prompted the habit in the first place. BJ doesn't just teach tiny habits. He's used them to transform his own life in big ways. In the forward to the audiobook version of Tiny Habits, he shares a moving story about how growing up, he had a voice disability. As a teenager, he was bullied because of his voice. Today, he's narrating his own book, and I found his voice soothing and pleasant. A lifetime of tiny habits have added up to a big win, one he never could have imagined for himself. This week, as I revisit BJ's work, I want to tackle the problem in my Groundhog Day existence that is troubling me most. I want to figure out how to change my relationship with my kids during this time when we're all driving each other crazy. I don't know yet if the prompt I'm picking is the right one, but here's what I came up with. One thing I'm doing constantly right now is washing my hands. Not just when I cook or use the bathroom, but when I help one of my kids use the bathroom or when we come in from outside. So every time I wash my hands, I'm going to quickly say out loud something I love about my kids, even if they're not around to hear it. I just started this today, so I don't have a lot of results from this experiment. But my hunch is that just by reminding myself and them that I do love them and that they're good kids, I'll be a little more gracious and forgiving of the daily irritations. I also suspect that if they hear my approval more often than they do my frustration, they'll live into that. In my own life, when people think highly of me, I have a tendency to live into that version of myself. I'm reminded of my capacity for growth and kindness. So today, as I start this new tiny habit, I want to invite you to join me in creating your own. Maybe it's doing something nice for someone else or for yourself right after you listen to this podcast. Maybe it's speaking out loud a truth you need to hear right now. And then let's celebrate that tiny change. Let's see if we can move toward the life we're longing for one tiny habit at a time. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, I would love it if you could rate it and review it wherever you listen share it with a friend, and subscribe. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. Even in these tough times, this family business has stepped up to be the first sponsor of Shelter in Place. When you order wine from brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com, you can get 10% off your order by using the promo code SHELTER. If you order six or more bottles from Brick and Mortar, You'll also get free shipping and overnight shipping in California. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. As always, you can find links to the things I mentioned in each episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.